From VinePair's New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the VinePair Podcast, Friday edition, our last Friday without Joanna. We'll have a Monday without Joanna as well, but then yeah. I mean, she'll be back. Today, man. She's back. I Isn't know. crazy? It is that crazy. Went by fast. It, well, you know, it's funny. I, I think you had more going on in your life than I did. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's felt, like, <laughs> a felt, long, like, it felt like a long time. I was reflecting on this this morning. I was like, was it, did it feel long because it was like actually long? Or was it long because you felt like having to deal with Tim for a few episodes? <laughs> which is like, it makes it really drawn out. I mean, there's the, the having to deal with Tim. There's just the sort of like, it's the kind of like, uh, he's a Brit. You know, it's like, when, well, that, but also like, I, I mean, this, you know, they talk a lot about with podcasts. That, we, that someone might listen to the kind of parasocial relationship that you can have with a host but I also think that for me like getting to check in with you and Joanna on a twice weekly basis it's like a yeah, part yeah, of yeah. my my socializing routine and so like <laughs> Joanna all credit to her has been like pretty disconnected since she had her kid <laughs> and that's great Adam as you can tell less so uh, Joanna's been an absentee member of the team no, she's, 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 no, she's doing as she should. She's taking her parental leave as she should. She's like Good. mostly off the, you know, off the grid, off slack, off all that. That's fine. Every once in a while she pops in to be like, you know, Hey, I listened to the episode, which she may or may not. I mean, no shade if you don't, but yeah. uh, so, so to me, it's more like, I just, I feel like, you know, Joanna was a part of my, my weekly life and now I haven't heard much from her for months. And so I'm looking forward to reconnecting. Well, you know, I, me too. It's Friday. It's a sunny Friday here in Seattle. I'm sentimental. I don't know what you want. I feel good. Good for you, man. I'm glad it's sunny. It is. It's yeah. actually sunny here, too. Nice, nice. So I thought this Friday we would have a fun conversation about a list that comes out every year that people like to debate. And it's a list that's created by Drinks International. We reported on it. Uh, we report on it every year. And it's basically their ranking of the 50 most popular cocktails right now in the world. Mm-hmm. And they have a really interesting way that they create this. So I, I want to talk about the methodology before we get into the list. And if you want to see the full list, uh, you can go to our site, vinepair.com, and uh, look for the news. Literally, the headline is <laughs> the 50 most popular cocktails of 2023 or whatever. You can easily find it. Um, it's in the sp- in the spirit section of the, of the publication, et cetera. But um, Drinks International basically talks to 100 of the top bars in the world every year and the way they define top bars is the bar has to have either been awarded 50 best or tales of the cocktail uh you know spirited awards bar of the year uh, a few other accolades but it has to have received like a very well highly regarded accolade when it comes to bars mm-hmm. to even be in their consideration set to reach out to and it has to have been awarded it in in the past year i think um and then what they do is they send out a survey to these bars and the uh, ownership staff answers the survey honestly based on actual sales data. And then they take the the responses to that survey, weight it uh, based on where they are in the world, et cetera, and come up with a list. So it's not just like a, hey, this is the most popular cocktail across the board, right? So in terms of like just what everyone's making home, this is this is a list based on like the best bars in the world, what they are seeing. And when we say based on the best bars in the world as well, what they are seeing, it's also 
the classic cocktails that they get ordered. So how you define classic cocktail is kind of loose. There are some definitely modern classics on this list. So not things that, you know, were created, you know, in the original era of, of the classic cocktail, you know, in the roaring twenties, et cetera, but uh, stuff that, that might've been created in the nineties, eighties, two thousands, et cetera, but still considered now a classic. So the bar could not respond like, Oh, the most popular drink, here is one we created yeah right that's you don't see that make the list so something that unless one of the drinks they created happens to be a really wonderful modern classic that everyone else is making as well so um i think you know just to to rip the band-aid off here like the thing the thing that surprised me the most was what people are saying i guess surprised me and didn't surprise me is what people are saying is the number one cocktail they're seeing ordered by guests more than any other over the last year and that's the negroni Mm mm-hmm I kind of thought the Negroni moment had already happened Mm -hmm. and we were kind of, we had kind of moved past it. And, you know, the fact that we haven't and it is still this popular is really interesting to me. The other two in the top three, I'm not surprised by at all, the Margarita and the Old Fashioned. Um, I think it also is really curious to see that, like, even when it comes to high end cocktail bars, people are going to order a fucking margarita if they want a margarita. As they should. Right. But the Negroni is really interesting to me. Like, and I wonder if we really are seeing globally, if this is representative of globally, this Italianification of cocktails. You know, you have Dante and the allure of Milan and Rome, and you have some amazing cocktail bars now in Italy that everyone's celebrating. Like, I don't know. What, what do you think, Zach? Cause I'm, it is for me, it, I, I definitely expected to see it in the top 10, but to, for all of these top global bars to say that the most popular cocktail by far that is ordered in their, you know, in their loca- in their, in their place of business is a Negroni was, I don't know, to me, a little shocking. Yeah. I think if I had been surveyed myself prior to this and asked like, Oh, what do you think the top 10 cocktails would be on this list? I, I think I might've, come up with roughly the same number, roughly the same cocktails, but in a different order. The things that jump out to me, like we talk a lot about the margarita being the most popular cocktail in America, and it undeniably is. But I think here's where you get to the like, who they have surveyed element. Because while I agree with you that certainly people who want a margarita are not going to hesitate to order one no matter where they are. I do -hmm. think that a smaller percentage of clientele at really high end cocktail bars are going in there being like, I want a margarita. Even though I think, honestly, that's a great place to order a margarita. Like, what what yeah. a cool chance to have perhaps a you know, really beautifully executed margarita and maybe to kind of put the bartender in a, you know, like the margarita is a drink that if someone, if you order it and the bartender doesn't take you seriously, like what kind of bar is that? It's a great cocktail. It's not, right. you know, it's not a gimmick. You know, I probably would have put the old fashioned right at the top, which to be fair, it has been prior to this for the last, I think, eight years or something like that. But I also wonder if this reflects the growing globalization of the craft cocktail movement of top bars and the sort of decentralizing America, because I wonder if you just surveyed American bars, if this list might look a little different, both the old fashioned, the margarita might look a little higher. Not that the Negroni is not very popular here. It certainly is. But I almost wonder if the innate connection to America of the old fashioned and the Manhattan, which is like thing number eight on this list. And a Mm -hmm. few other drinks here maybe means that they're more popular here and 
obviously still very popular globally, but maybe slightly less so. And other drinks, like, say, the daiquiri, which is a great cocktail. You and I love daiquiris. I was a little yeah. surprised to see it ahead of, like, the martini and the Manhattan. Just, just for the sake of, again, thinking about the bars you go into kind of – not that, it, again, like a margarita, a daiquiri is a great bar to order at a high-end cocktail bar – but I do think that there's a way in which sometimes it feels like a drink for a different kind of setting. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a little all over the place here again. I apologize. But I do think that yeah. the, the order surprised me. And to the question of like this kind of growing influence of Italian cocktail culture, Italian culture, and Italian spirits in craft cocktails. I mean, we've talked a bunch over the last couple of years about the Amaro movement. I think, you know, Campari is not an Amaro, but it is in this sort of much broader family of Italian bitter liqueurs. Yeah. And they're undeniably having a moment. I also have to wonder to what extent is sort of the broad range of Negroni variants being rolled up into this kind of number one placement, because I think that's the other thing. And I think we'll talk about this a little later when we come back to the Negroni. A thing that's interesting to me is like, it's undeniably a great drink, but you can also tell that in a way it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit of a like a little bit handcuffs bartenders because it's so specific to its ingredients right. that the reason you see so many variants is because it's kind of the easiest and maybe only way to fairly play around within the format in a way that is way less true for a lot of the other drinks at the top of this list. What's interesting is you, so only twenty four percent of the bars that were surveyed, so about a quarter, were were U.S. based. Mm-hmm. Right. The largest uh, percentage is actually was in Europe, 34 percent, 6 percent was South American, 7 percent were in Africa, 7 percent were in Australia and 22 percent were in Asia. That kind of makes sense as well when you look at all the regions of the world that are winning the most awards when it comes to bars. Uh, Asia is really having a very dominant moment in the best bar scene, especially when it comes to 50 best. Um, Australia also, I think is is highly regarded as having some of the best bars in the world right now, but like it's still a small country. So yeah. 7% kind of makes sense to me. So I think one of the things that I would took away from this with the margarita is kind of just, holy shit, like what we're seeing with tequila is kind of, I think true globally at this mm-hmm. point. Like it's not just America. That's like lapping up tequila. It's like the rest of the world as well. And I think, you know, the reason you may be seeing that ordered more than more often than not too, is because if you can make a classic margarita, like the, the one that's pictured on our site in this article, you kind of are just ordering somewhat of a daiquiri variation, right? You're ordering yeah. this, this Daisy S cocktail that someone you're, you're assuming someone needs to be able to execute well. So it's, it's a mm-hmm. really great way to like have tequila. If you like, um, you know, if you like tequila and then have a very uh, tequila in a very classic form in the same way that, you know, a lot of people test a bartender based on how they make a daiquiri. I think that the reason you see the daiquiri so high here too, and you do not see this, you know, I think that that's the thing that's surprising to me about these is that like the Negroni, the old fashioned, the margarita, all are, uh, all are drinks that you see pretty regularly across the board in every kind of bar setting in the United States at this point, right? People like them, you know, people, or I, I've seen people order old fashioned to dive bars, right? The daiquiri is a drink that like, it's still kind of a handshake cocktail in a lot of ways, right? It's, it's an industry drink, etc. But the reason I think it's number five is because it has truly claimed this, this position as the drink that if you are an in the know cocktail drinker, you order at a top bar to see how well the bar 
makes a drink. Yeah. And so the fact that this is in the top five kind of proves to me that it still is that cocktail mm-hmm. um, and that consumers have really learned that because it would not be in the top five if it was just a bunch of other bartenders going around ordering this cocktail. Like, you know, that's what was happening initially. And that's how sort of that secret got out. And then people, places like us reported on it. And, you know, we also do it as journalists and now everyone's like, oh shit, yeah, like I'm going to go to a top cocktail bar. Like I need to order a daiquiri. So I think that that's really interesting that that's very much proven. I still am very shocked that there's like not a single, you know, global rum brand that's tried to really own this cocktail or do any campaign behind it like but again whatever and then you know the the other thing i think that comes in no surprise and again just proves global dominance and that global trends really do happen is number four which is the espresso martini um just i mean i cannot get over how much i hate that drink (laughs) but the fact that so many people love it it's just not for me guys like not really not looking to have my heart beat outside of my chest while i'm also getting a little tipsy but if that's for you, cool. It, it's amazing how popular it's become. And a lot of people have argued that it's like even more popular than it was, you know, when in, in its heyday, you know, it's just, it's really had this massive, massive resurgence. And to be that high up globally, again, is really interesting. And I think that that's what to me makes this list so interesting is that it's these top cocktail bars and they're global. Yeah. So a lot of the trends that we're seeing here are really you know, exploding across the globe. And then you have some trends that we don't really see here that I'm surprised by. Like, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm pretty shocked that the whiskey sour and the penicillin are in the top 10. Me too. Like just, I just am. Like, those are not cocktails I know that any anyone that I know drinks. Um, that Not to say that, like, those aren't great drinks, but I think, you know, this is, again, then a list where, like, some brand manager is going to make a really bad decision and, like, take their whiskey in the U.S. and circle around this around this drink and make a whole campaign, you know, around it. So, like, well, I saw it on the top, top 10 cocktail in the world. Yeah, but, like, I think that's for sure happening in other markets, and those are those markets waiting these two cocktails being in the top 10 because again, th- these are not drinks that you see that often being ordered in the U S with, with massive regularity by the masses, uh, massive regularity by the masses. I like how, what I did there. <laughs> so I, I think that like, you know, this is where you could, you could take this list too seriously and not actually know your audience and your market. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, I'm pretty shocked by those. Yeah. I mean, I think, the whiskey sour is interesting to me because like it, it there's several different sours or yeah. things like it on this list. Obviously a Pisco sour appears a little further down. And I think that, you know, one thing that is interesting to me about looking at this list and, and obviously they're just, you know, there's stunning photos of each cocktail and it kind of is hard sometimes to escape this, this sense when you look at these, which is like, is part of the reason why some, why some of these drinks are so popular because they're so visually stunning and, and sours definitely, you know, mm-hmm. and the espresso martini and a lot of other drinks on this list can kind of fit into that category. You know, the Clover Club is essentially a sour, even though it doesn't have sour in its name. You know, there's a lot of things like that. There's the Amaretto Sour. Another drink that I'm surprised to see that anyone orders, but good on you. The Amaretto Sour is kind of a fun drink, uh, (laughs) even if it doesn't always get taken that seriously. And so I think it's, you know, there's that piece of it where, again, are people going to these bars looking for something that's going to, you know, photograph well, that's going to look cool on Instagram? You know, if you're sort of like, Presumably, most of the you know most people going to these bars, it's not like a they're not it's not their regular haunt, so they're going to want to get something that right. both hopefully tastes great, but also you know kind of they can 
mark the occasion with a with a celebratory post such as it is yeah uh, like we all have to do from time to time i have a question for you about this list which is really okay. fascinating to me so well there's two i have two we'll start with this sort of uh simpler question which is like i was a little surprised in looking at this list and we talked a little bit about tequila and obviously about the margarita and the paloma uh-huh. to show up on this list in the teens but I was actually surprised that there are relative, given how popular tequila is right now, I'm relatively surprised there are so few tequila cocktails on this list. And I'm wondering if it's because, A, obviously the margarita first and foremost and the Paloma to to some extent kind of take up a lot of the oxygen in the room with that. And also if it's because the tequila weirdly doesn't fit into any of these other trends super cleanly, like there isn't like a great example of a like tequila tiki cocktail at least yep. i think they do exist but i don't think they're not central to anything on this list and they're kind of further outside of the tiki canon they're not you're not seeing a lot of cocktail you're not seeing any cocktails on this list that are made with like anejo tequilas that are more in the like stirred sort of more powerful cocktail category it's kind of like okay we've got tequila and we've got citrus which are obviously a dynamite combo not yeah on that but it is weird to me that again how popular tequila is it's sort of like got its cocktail it's it's main cocktail it's sort of secondary cocktail Mm -hmm. and then it's got everyone else is just drinking it neat right i mean is that what's going on i think it's so i think that this is where the i would argue that this is where the parameters of this list have prevented any other tequila drinks that are being ordered from being on here because they're saying it's classic cocktails. And I don't think that there are many other classic tequila cocktails that consumers know. Yes, And I would think that actually there are a lot of consumers that are making some of these classic cocktails with tequila. So I know a lot of bars in New York where you will hear a tequila old fashioned ordered, Sure, you know, in the same regard, you hear the Oaxacan old fashioned, but the Oaxacan old fashioned is a modern classic, right? And it yeah. uses mezcal, et cetera. Or, as we've talked about before, Gen Z loves using Blanco tequila, not vodka, in an espresso martini, right? So, like, that could be also happening. Yeah. Um, but, like, these, these other just really famous tequila cocktails, they're ones that exist, but people don't really know them. And to be honest with you, exactly, I'm sitting here and I can't remember them. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about like, Essentially, yeah, tequila old fashions. They're 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 tequila variants on other classics. So it's either you know, like you can have a tequila Negroni, you can have a yeah. tequila, um, you know, like a tequila old fashioned or or Manhattan or whatever. You know, with di- again different kinds of tequila. But it's certainly true. Like you know, you don't see like a tequila sour, even though that would probably be good. Now I'm kind of like hmm, maybe I'll make one of those tonight. But yeah, um, but it's one of those things where it's like it's just interesting to me in a way that like you have other spirits that so their, their presence on this list is so evident, right? Whiskey, you know, both rye and bourbon in some yeah. fashion, obviously gin is shot through this list, even though like in a lot of ways it's funny because like gin is in like this almost like opposite place of tequila in a way where like right. gin is popular, but I don't think growing in popularity, it just sort of, no. it's holding its place because of all these because of these cocktails and of course the gin and tonic, which also mildly surprised isn't on this list. I mean, again, maybe I kind of get, maybe it doesn't come to mind or 
there's maybe the kind of argument about is the gin and tonic really a cocktail? You would think that if in a lot of these bars, if someone orders a gin and tonic, the bartenders would consider it a cocktail. Like presumably they put a lot of effort into whatever gin and tonic they might serve, I would hope. But the point is that like it's just interesting to hold those two spirits in particular in contrast to one another because if you just looked at this list, I mean, coming back to your comment about the mistakes that people might make in looking at this list and thinking about popularity of things, it's almost like if you looked at this list, you'd be like, okay, yeah, like Blanco tequila is popular. People like margaritas, but like there's not really a market for the rest of tequila. When in fact we know, as we've talked about like last week, the opposite is exactly true. Yep. So I, I, I think it's the, the list is really interesting because I think it, it shows you what people are interested in, in a class, in a, in a high end cocktail bar setting. And they are interested in cocktails that they have read about that they they might be somewhat familiar with. And a lot of those cocktails just, you know, by their nature, include as one of the main ingredients, gin or whiskey. Um, If you look at this entire list, you see that more than anything else as the base spirits. And then, then, you know, you have you have you have some rum cocktails, obviously. Right. You have some uh, vodka cocktails. I was pretty surprised as well. Like the vodka martini is so low. Yeah. Um, but you know, okay. I guess people also think maybe that's a, more of a basic drink than people are willing to, uh, to order. The last word is higher than I thought it would be. And then you got like the mojito, the, the, the basic person at the party just sitting there at 16 on its sweet 16 birthday. Like I'm not going anywhere. Motherfuckers. You can hate me all you want, but I'm tasty. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think across the board, like what this kind of starts to show is that both we, we are, a lot of I think the the U.S. trends are global, and then a lot of the trends happening in other places are much more local, but yeah. large there, right? Like it's, I, I mean, I've I've made these comments before when I've gone to Europe and seen like certain things that have been that are massive there that really don't pop here. I really still believe that what this list shows us is that like in when it comes to drinks, you know, cocktail culture, the United States still drives global trends, but the glo- but the trends happening throughout the globe don't come back to the u.s as strongly yeah that for me is like all you need to know about this list is that's really what you're seeing you know and i think that that will remain true for the foreseeable future i think there's still many more bars and bartenders here in the u.s and a much stronger appetite for cocktails here than throughout the rest of the world that cause you know, this trend to, you know, this to be the place where trends start Mm -hmm. and we're still the most important market for the majority of spirits brands. So they're still going to invest the most money here in the development of talent, et cetera. So we're going to keep seeing, you know, more of the cocktail trends come out of the U S and spread. Then we will see, you know, someone come back. Like, I mean, I think I've mentioned you before Zach, but like when I was most recently uh, with a bunch of international bartenders from Europe, all of them telling me that like St. Germain is like, the hottest ingredient in cocktails all over Europe. I'm like, we don't drink that shit in the U S anymore. <laughs> like that's just, I think a really good example that, you know, that that's a very much yeah. European trend of the last year where people are making cocktails of St. Germain. And like that trend existed in the U S almost like 10 years ago. And like, it, no one's East, yeah. Germain, yeah. you know, and whereas tequila, the espresso martini, et cetera, those are all trends that are truly starting here and then spreading to, you know, the rest of the world. And people are picking up on them partly because, bartenders obviously trade back and forth and then partly because there's a ton of american tourists that travel everywhere and the only trend i would say is sort of more dominant than that right now is the idea of like the italian cocktail or the italian aperitivo hour and that's really 
proven by both the Negroni sitting at number one and the Aperol Sprit sitting at number nine. Yeah. Okay. Last, last little question for you on this list. Yeah. So I guess starting from number one, how uh-huh. far up the list do you have to go before you get to a drink that you haven't had before? Or have you had all 50 of these? Cause I have not had all 50. I will be candid. Uh, I'm, I'm going up the list right now. <laughs> Scroll. That is the sound of Adam scrolling. <laughs> yeah. Beep, beep, boop, boop, I maybe should have prompted warned you about this, but yeah. I was wondering if you were to say until I get to a drink I hate because I've gotten to those. Oh, I know the answer for that, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a few. Well, we, we already know you don't like the espresso martini, so you wouldn't have gotten very far. Yeah, I didn't have to get very far. Hold on, hold on. And then I'm pretty sure the Bloody Mary is the next one that you're not a fan of. I hate the Bloody Mary. Yep, we know. Um, hold on, hold on. Wow, I'm going really far. <laughs> so proud of yourself, I'm, folks! You can play this game at home along with us. Please scroll through the list. I, Let us know. Podcast at vinepair dot com. What's oh the one you haven't had? Have oh you had all God. these? Uh huh. Nice. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Oh my God! I'm forty four. Old Cuban. Never had it. Okay. I got to 46. I have never had an army and Navy. And in fact, I've and, never then I, and then 46 would have been my next. I've never had the army and Navy and I cannot remember. So I will not say I have, I cannot honestly remember. If I've ever had a hanky panky and I believe I've had a South side and I've never had an airmail. Yeah. Those, so the so, airmail, the airmail and the army and Navy are the two that I have never had and never heard of all the rest. I've both had and heard of, which is, you know, I'm, I guess proud of, but you know, it's like, it's a fun game to play for those of you who are big cocktail fans. Like, look at this list. How many have you had? How many, how many of the ones that you haven't had? Yeah. And how many of the ones that you haven't had, would you actually drink? Cause I bet you there's a few people yeah. out there who are like, yeah, there's a reason I've never had that cocktail. And I can't exactly. say I blame you. I'm not saying I love all these. I'm just saying I've had them. <laughs> well, maybe I'm gonna have to go out there and get a hanky panky or a, uh, or an airmail this weekend just to <laughs> go to a bar and see about. if they even know what you're talking about. Thank you. They should. That's at least a, 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 I think a reasonably well known. But the airmail, I feel like that would, I would, you that one would, you know, you get some blank stares. I think on that one. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. You know. You know what? You know. There's a cocktail. Just as a quick aside, that one of our staff members orders all the time that I had never heard of, but now I love is a Queens Park Swizzle. Yeah, that's a good drink. I mean, I've heard of it. I, I don't think I would give you the recipe on the air here because I'm not sure. Well, no, I, that'd be another drink. I think if you walked into most bars and ordered it, even top bars would be like, uh, what? Yeah. Uh, what? There'd be a, like, oh, one second, and then the phone would come out or the book would come out or both. Yeah. So, yeah. Both and that's delicious. Cool. Yep. Anyways. All right, man. I'll see you Monday for our last Monday alone. <laughs> all right. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network. If you love listening to this show, or even if you don't, but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. And now for some totally awesome credits. So... The Vine Pair Podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington, in Zach Jabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered, and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, who is the managing director of the entire Vine Pair Podcast Network. 
I'd also love to give a shout out to our editor-in-chief, Joanna Sherino, who joins us on every single podcast as our third and most important host. Thank you as well to the entire VinePair staff and everyone who's been involved in making VinePair as special as it's become. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.